This is CliffCentral.com. Ah, you're clever, you're clever, ne? Clever. Ah, you're clever, clever. you're clever. Yo, you're clever. <laughs> hey, I love that song. Oh, <laughs> my papuzzi. Clever, yo, I love that song. Salmonan Noke, welcome to the show. It's Frankly Speaking. One hour of Frank Talks Among South Africans. Yo, this show is no different. Sheepers, sheepers, sheepers. Uh, if you thought we were getting soft... <laughs> Today is going to be a day of reckoning. I tell you what, I'm uncomfortable just thinking about this topic. But anyways, Rory. 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 Mm, a whole mm, other mm, show, mm, but mm, hey. Anyway. Um holy lopitol. Uyenza no mholopitol. About maketa. Um holy. And then we change. We change I ANC. Manje mlil. You know, that's broken Zulu for exactly what's happening in the city of Tswane right now. Yeah, absolute mess. But today's oh show is not goodness. on the city of Tswane. Yeah. Today's show is on something, shall we say, a little bit more prickly. Mm. Okay. As, as explosive, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the question for today. Frankly speaking, are apartheid and the Holocaust comparable? Is apartheid. R, R or is? You see, I don't even know English. R. English. R. Plural. R apartheid. Model C. My Model C, I, I think, know. took I, me this no, far no, to I'm be like, sure. is R. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, wait, wait, wait. You're saying... Apartheid and the Holocaust. Are they Can comparable? they be compared? Yeah. <sighs> okay. So, let's start with where this started, right? So, Please. Uh, last week, uh, there were reports coming out that um, a 95-year-old former Nazi soldier... Uh, had been sentenced to five years in prison mm-hmm. uh, for his role. Ninety-five years. Nine, and he's ninety-five years old now, and he was sentenced to prison for five years, just 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 last week. Now he did aid in a bit one hundred and seventy thousand killings. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Well, right? well, and th- that that's okay, right? But then the question is, uh, so I, I posted this up on on Facebook, and um, and I said, look, why is it that when when apartheid victims ask for justice and demand justice we're told oh get over it oh, it's just been 20 years i mean uh, you know it's been 20 years get over it and so on and yet to this day you're seeing these things happening and no one is saying to 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 uh holocaust survivors ah oh, get over it mm, uh, mm. and so it's worth asking ourselves so somebody actually asked me on facebook it's like are you really comparing yourself to a holocaust survivor mm-hmm. and i said well if i am what's what's your point and uh, he said, I'm just asking. So I said, I'm just asking. And uh, you know what? Let's do a show on this. <laughs> <laughs> great, great Facebook conversation there. I'm just asking. Yeah, I'm also just asking. I'm just yeah, asking. yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Charles, Charles Clenans for that. <laughs> All right. So is, uh, or is, I think it is, I'm not sure. Apartheid and Holocaust, are they comparable? That's what we're speaking about today. We're going to be speaking to some very interesting guests, as well as we'd love to hear your views on the matter. Uh, WeChat, hit us up, cliffcentral.com, or hit us up on Twitter, at Rory Sang Shabalala, or at Rory Shabalala, sorry, apologies, at Rory Shabalala, or at Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y. You can tell us your stories. Do you think they are comparable? Why or why not? I'll be honest, 
I feel uncomfortable talking about this straight away. And the reason I feel uncomfortable mm. after a little bit of probing and analyzing is the idea of comparing one human atrocity to another doesn't feel right. It's mm. like, oh, so how many, how many human atrocities did you get over there? Mm. Mm. Oh, how many human atrocities did you get? Oh, this one beats that one, you know? Mm. Um, both are human atrocities. Both were horrific in nature, uh, in every sense of the word. And perhaps it's about, perhaps, just perhaps, Rory, the point here is to acknowledge how bad or how much of a human atrocity apartheid was. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think it it definitely is uh, a thing that you can't compare lives lost or lives lost. Mm. But what continues to, to, to grind my peppers is the <laughs> fact that… Beautiful uh, saying. Beautiful yeah, saying. Yes. What, what continues to grind my peppers is this is this continued suggestion that apartheid… Uh, it was a lesser evil and people saying get over it. But mm-hmm. meanwhile, they don't say the same to Holocaust survivors. So mm-hmm. it, 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 it exposes a double standard in the way. And frankly, Do you want and frankly speaking, it exposes a double standard in the ways that we see hurt on black bodies versus hurt more broadly. And mm-hmm. I think it's a conversation that needs to be had about why do we think that uh, what happened in apartheid can be gotten over in, in, in 20 years and yet the Holocaust is being commemorated, as it should rightly be commemorated, right? Mm. Uh, but why then do you see apartheid as sort of a lesser evil? So in your mind, you don't want Holocaust survivors to get over the Holocaust. No. You want you want to be, you want acknowledgement uh, for apartheid survivors, effectively, to say, yeah. it's not time to get over apartheid just yet. Uh, stop saying that. We need to first acknowledge respect. what apartheid was. Yeah, res- so I think I think respect respect. So it's a double standard. Don't say you 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 acknowledge and you see the Holocaust, and then on the one hand, then turn around and say you don't see apartheid because maybe it's closer to you and you feel uh, a lot more or a lot more implicated than than in the Holocaust. All right, let's get into this. I'm 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 concerned about uh, human atrocity versus human atrocity, but let's see how we get at the end of the show. I do appreciate and accept where you're coming from, Rory, and I think it's a really important point. Um, there's a lot of people that are lining up. They're very busy, important people, so we should get into them. Yeah. Uh, first on the line uh, from from Johannesburg. Well, he's traveling at the moment. Advocate Dumisa Nzebeza. Uh, he is a um, South African lawyer, a member of the Cape Bar. He's also chairman of the Desmond Tutu Peace Trust and a trustee of the Nelson Mandela Foundation. He was also um, involved in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. He was an acting chair there in, in 1996. Uh, and he was also the head of the investigation unit of the TRC uh, between uh, in 1998. So he is well-versed and he has represented apartheid victims um, in, in reparation cases, particularly in the U.S., so class action suits against major U.S. companies. So he can give us a lot of insights. Good morning, Advocate. Good morning. Well, can I just say before we speak to you, Advocate, you put the rest of our CVs to shame, just by the way. Come again? You put our CVs and our resumes to shame. I mean, I looked at the first line of your resume and it already made me feel bad. (laughs) Oh, well... You know, some people do. Uh, some do. of that is uh, dated information, but you know, I'm now a member of the Johannesburg Bar. I left the Cape. Oh, and okay. I resigned. I, I retired from the Nelson Mandela Foundation, mm. and uh, we wound up the Desmond Tutu Peace Trust. But you know, still but, everything is still, yeah. But you are still passionately involved in 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 defending and protecting the rights of apartheid victims. Is that so? 
Oh yes, in fact, that that fourteen-year-old uh, litigation in New York mm. came to an end yesterday, on Monday. And if if, when, if uh, did you lose the case? Is 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 that is that we what happened? lost? We we lost the case after fourteen years of litigation in the U.S. Wow. Can you give us a, an insight quickly into into what the case was about and 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 why you lost? Oh yeah. Well, <clears throat> we were relying on an old statute in the U.S. Uh, called the Alien Claims Dot Act or ATCA for short, or the Alien Claim Statute and uh, or Alien Tort Statute. That that uh, act gives anyone who is a victim of crimes against, you know, humanity. Uh, it gives that person an ability to sue anyone, including corporate, which can be found or who can be found in the United States. Uh, over which the United States would have jurisdiction. But it could be for violation of international law. And our basis was that there are certain companies, and in this case, we had sued a number of companies, particularly Ford, General Motors, Daimler Chrysler, uh, and IBM. And our basis was that they had aided and abetted the perpetration of crimes against humanity, which are in themselves a violation of international human rights law. That's for sure. I'll give you an example, a very short example. You would get a guy like, you know, Porter, uh, Tozamile Porter, would say, I used to work for, for Ford Motor Company. Whilst I was working there, I was organizing workers and I was arrested. I was also involved in underground uh, activities of the ANC. I was handed over to the security police by my management. Mm. My management, where I was at in prison, I was being tortured. Mm. They came there, they found me being tortured. They saw the instruments that were used for me being tortured. And I was told, if I don't cooperate with the security police, I would be, I would lose my job after I've been released from detention. We say that's a classical, on those facts, that's a classical case of Ford Motor Company having aided, abetted mm-hmm. the torture of uh, Toza Mille Porter. Toza Mille Porter, therefore, was entitled to sue in terms of that piece of legislation which was founded in 1789 to deal with piracy, basically. Mm. But we have developed that to respond of the next 14 years to the Supreme Court of uh, the United States accepting that there is a basis for us. Mm. We lost yesterday, because I mean on Monday, because they say on the fact we had not made a case sufficiently to bring us within what they consider hmm. that piece of legislation provides. Hmm. That's, uh, but that, that, that was the thing. Mm. 
Advocates, uh, we don't have a lot of time with you, unfortunately, and uh, we definitely need to have you in studio so we can have a full chat with you. I wanted to, you know, you were involved in the TRC. I wanted to just, you know, rack your brain and, and give you, get your thoughts on uh, this idea of the TRC versus the Nuremberg trials. You know, of course, we're trying to, to understand the differences, I suppose, between Holocaust and the apartheid. Uh, and the idea behind the Nuremberg trials specifically was that they were actively hunting for the perpetrators, whereas with the TRC, we were actively giving forgiveness to the perpetrators. In hindsight, and I know this is in hindsight, so it is, it's difficult to talk about, but in hindsight, do you think the TRC was the right way to go, uh, given where the country sat at that point in time? Well, it was not the TRC that, that went anyway. Uh, it was the South African nation post apartheid that enacted the piece of legislation called the Promotion of National Unity and Reconciliation Act that brought about the TRC. Now, this question has been asked on a number of occasions. You must remember that the Nuremberg trials were a result of a war which was won by the Allies against the Nazi, uh, Nazi, Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany had been defeated. The international community had decided that the Holocaust had been a crime against humanity, had been war crimes, and because the Germans were a defeated nation and all the allies and allies who had been part and parcel of the Holocaust were defeated by the international community, which included, at the end of the Second World War, the United States of America, which had not been involved in the initial stages of that war. So the justice that was meted out was meted out by the victors. It was a victor's justice. South Africa didn't have a war, the nature of which uh, ended with a victorious side. The apartheid regime was still intact, and as I will demonstrate to you how, and uh, the liberation forces had not been successful in dislodging the apartheid regime from 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 position. Let me give you an example. Yes, on dude. the on the twenty, you know, on the first of May, nineteen ninety four. After we had voted, and by all accounts we had voted, the national, I mean the ANC as the majority party, which would run a new post-apartheid government. Let's look at who was in charge of the security forces, the old, 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 old order. Liebenberg was in charge of the apartheid army. The security forces, the security branch, it was headed by a, a, a white general of the old order. Everything the intelligence services, including the courts and including the prosecutorial services. And at the end of my investigation in the TRC in 1998, we were able to come to the conclusion that out of 10, out of each 10 cases of violence by the state or violation of human, gross, gross violation of human rights, out of each 10, seven had been perpetrated by the apartheid security forces. Hmm. So 
if we had said we must prosecute these people, it would have meant that we must have asked them to investigate themselves mm. and to prosecute themselves and because the judiciary was uh, headed by them, to, to sentence themselves. Wow. I mean, does not need the scientists yeah. to realize that it could not have been done. Advocate, uh, it, it's such a, we really need to, to, to get you into studio. Unfortunately, we're going to be having to wrap up with you. But a last question, how do you feel about... Excuse me. How do you feel about this uh, seeming apartheid seeming to be given a lower sense of recognition and seriousness in comparison to the Holocaust? Do you think that's the case? And and if that's the case, why is that so? Well, it is the case in a number of ways. Uh, One of the ways is because of what I've just said. But also, you see, the South African government, post-apartheid government, didn't have the courage of their conviction. Because having established the TRC, we made recommendations, very good recommendations. One of the recommendations we made was that people must be prosecuted who didn't apply for amnesty. If you had had a basis to apply for amnesty because you had committed wrong, there was a suspension of the criminal justice system in terms of for a year, people could apply for amnesty, would be granted for amnesty if they, what they had done was politically motivated, provided they made a full disclosure. Some people applied, they didn't make a full disclosure, they didn't get amnesty. The law was that those people should have been prosecuted. Some people didn't even apply, even though they should have applied. Those people should have been prosecuted. What did we do? We never prosecuted anyone. In fact, we now know from what Bosipikoli has said on affidavit that he was called by the ministers in charge and he was told, don't prosecute any of these TRC-related cases. So this, this, is, this, is, this is the democratic de- the government saying this. This is a democratic government saying this mm. in relation to most of the people for whom it claimed to be standing, whom, uh, who had put it in power. Now, we say, as the TRC, we recommend to you that you must prosecute all those people who have not applied for amnesty and who should have applied for amnesty, or those who applied for amnesty didn't make a full disclosure, gave us sanitized versions, were exposed to have done so, and therefore didn't get amnesty. So, them. so the they responsibility ultimately rests on the South African government for it failing to... with the South African mm. government. Advocate... Unfortunately, we have to wrap up with you. This is an open invitation. We are going to be calling you, getting you into studio for an hour so you can continue to, to, to give us insight into that. This is an important conversation and it's certainly an important discussion that young South Africans need to be, to be versed of. Thank you very much, Advocate. You're welcome, sir. Hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> that guy has a lot to say. There's a lot to there's and a lot there's to a be lot, uncovered. A lot to unpack there. Yeah. That is for sure. That's, yeah. That is a show in itself, you know. Yeah. We've done a show on the the TLC before. We had um 
Faisal Randira Reese in here. Um, I think it was last year sometime. Mm. Interesting to hear what he had to say as well. There seems to be a very big consensus amongst those who were involved in the TLC that it failed. And it failed not because of the process, but because of what happened afterwards. Yeah, for example, there, there, there is an organization called the Kulumani Support Group that represents uh, victims of apartheid. And to this day, they're still fighting for... Uh, reparations that were that were meant to be paid to be paid and and that still has not happened so ultimately it seems as the ANC government is complicit in this in in this undermining hmm. of 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 uh, of what happened in apartheid but the question still 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 stands uh can we compare apartheid uh to the holocaust I, I think that we're starting to see the nuances within this question. Um, we're starting to see how people react. I mean, one of the things that I was thinking about is the reason – one of the reasons I think the Holocaust got so much attention, of course, was because the world was involved in it mm. in a way because of the fact that it was World War II mm. um, and this happened during that time. Everyone knew – everyone had a connection of some sort – to the atrocities of 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 humans mm. in that in that way, uh, if either you were a soldier or you heard about it or you had a family member, you know it just was yeah. worldwide. And if you think about it from a worldwide perspective, the, the apartheid wasn't worldwide. Mm. But going um, back to your point, it's not about the numbers that were involved. Totally. It is it is the atrocity absolutely. that's involved, right? Absolutely. Or, or, or what do we know? Why don't we Why don't we get somebody who knows a lot more than we do? Um, let's, uh, <laughs> uh, we have in the studio Tally Nate. Uh, she's the director of the Johannesburg Holocaust and Genocide Center. Uh, she's taken her time out to kindly be with us this morning. She's got, uh, yesterday was World Refugee Day. She's very busy, but she saw this as an important conversation to have. Good morning, Tally. Good morning. Tally, you're going to have to come to the mic. You're going to have to come really nice and close. There I'm you on go. it. Yes, <laughs> you're on the mic. That's absolutely. Now, you, we speak about the Holocaust. And um, and you've you've mentioned that it's not just about Holocaust; it's about refugees as well, and genocide, and, uh, and genocide. General. You know, because one of the big things that that I spoke to Rory about before we got into this was, can we classify apartheid as a genocide? What yeah. are your thoughts on that? Uh, sadly, it's very very clear. It's all about international law, and genocide is international law issue. So very, very quickly, uh, what is genocide? So mm, genocide please. is a new word coined only in 1944. So in 1904, when the Herero people of what is now Namibia were killed by the Germans, 50% of the Herero people Sheesh. were killed. We are not talking about it, of course, a part of in our center. Mm. Uh, but there wasn't a word. So you didn't call it Genocide because it was not invented. Uh, when the Armenian Christians were killed uh, by the Ottoman Empire during the First World War, there was no word. So all those when, mass murders happened without a word. When mm. the British put all the Afrikaners into concentration Absolutely. camps. Absolutely. Mm. Invented concentration camps yeah. here in our country. Mm. So the word is invented only in 1944. It means genocide, the mass murder of people, mm. basically Latin and Greek. And then uh, after the Second World War, and exactly what you're saying and what Advocate was speaking about, about the allies, the Soviet Union, uh, the United States, the Great Britain, France, and so on, 
when the war ended, the United Nations was established. And the Convention Against Genocide is only passed in the United Nations because of the Holocaust. By the way, Holocaust is a new word. It was only invented and coined in the 60s. So, you know, mm. after this mass murder that happened, uh, 11 million people died uh, in, in, in Europe, uh, of them 6 million Jews, but Roma Sinti, homosexuals, uh, Slavs, 3 million Polish Catholics mm. were murdered by the Nazis. And Disabled so on. Germans. Yeah. Disabled Germans and so on and so forth. We can, you know, talk about that. But the United Nations then passed that convention for the prevention and punishment of genocide and that happens in December of 1948. By the same year, 1948, apartheid starts in South Africa. Mm. So you have 1948 in two days, 9th and 10th of December, the United Nations passes two laws. One is the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. I think we need to remember that. And then the convention um, about genocide. And um, so two very quick things. South Africa, by the way, is not signing those declarations until 1998. That wow. is also interesting. Mm. But it is then an international law. And what is genocide then? Genocide is very simple. It's the intent, the plan, and the execution. So it's the intent to destroy a group of people, religious, mm. racial, gender, ethnic, ethnic, and so on. Apartheid is a crime. What we don't say enough in this country is that apartheid was a crime, mm. a crime against humanity. It wasn't genocide in its uh, a crime, you know, uh, because it was not the intent to destroy or to kill every child, baby, men, women that were uh, black or, 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 or colored or Indian. So, so just that is the law. It's very so, simple. So slave, but it is slavery, a crime. slavery wouldn't have been regarded as genocide. Not as a genocide, so, but so, Cambodia so, is, Rwanda yeah. is. So where where the intent is to kill and wipe out an entire race, that Absolutely. is genocide. And and then if I go back to what you. You said about comparing, you shouldn't compare because mm. it is a crime. Mm. Many thousands and thousands of people suffered. Mm. Many were killed, uh, lost everything that they had and so on. And actually, when you look at Holocaust or genocide, I'm an expert on the Rwandan genocide, for mm. example, that happened exactly 22 years ago, exactly in April 1994, when we moved when we into moved our into democracy. Democ yeah, democracy yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. Mm. But when you look at genocide and when you look at the Holocaust and you look at apartheid, there are lots of parallels, yeah. lots of parallels, lots of laws, mm. apartheid laws that if you look are absolutely similar Cut and to, to the German laws of the yeah. Nuremberg laws and, and other laws. So lots of parallels, but a distinction, a very clear distinction. Apartheid was not the intention to kill everyone, uh, and genocide is the intention to kill everyone. Well, I mean, sorry. I just, oh, we're getting uh, heated up uh, in here. No, yeah, go, ahead, go ahead. I'm just interested because definitions are always difficult. You know, it, it of kind of means a yes or no. It gives a specific um, answer to a question. But for me... When we say apartheid wasn't explicitly trying to kill off black people, right? And the broad definition yes, of black people, of I mean. It, are we 100% confirmed on that? Is that true? Because the truth of the matter is apartheid was, you know, and they, they worded it very well. So they, they knew their stuff in terms of the architecture of apartheid. They were like, no, we just want separate spaces so that the races can grow within themselves, blah, 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 blah. But the truth of the matter is the apartheid government really didn't recognize black people as human. 
right? Absolutely. It's a crime. And therefore… And, 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 and absolutely, the targeting was there. The, the humiliation, the dehumanization. I can give you so many mm. parallels. All I'm saying is there is a law. Mm. I'm not a lawyer, by the way. Yeah. I'm an educator, an historian. So I can just tell you the lawyers decided that there is a law that is genocide and there is a law that is human right abuse or mass, mass abuse. Okay. Tali, you, you're the director of the Johannesburg Holocaust and Genocide Center. Why have you guys separated Holocaust and genocide as separate things? Though? It's, it's it's not separate. It's it's the same, but it's a word. So uh, Holocaust is a genocide, uh, ab- absolutely. But it was coined like genocide was coined. So yeah. um, it's it's a coined word in mm-hmm. the 1960s. It also is in Greek, or very strange. Everything is in Greek, mm-hmm. but it is in Greek, and it is the destruction or the burning of people. Okay. So it was a coined word that was given uh, to that genocide. So, uh, that so, Rwanda so, genocide has other words. So to so put on. it to, to put it rather crudely, it, uh, the Holocaust was branded. It became a brand on its own, and that is why it continues to exist in the and way. And genocide it is also a brand. And gen- genocide yeah, genocide is, is a brand, if but, you want. But the yes. Holocaust is is part is a sub part of 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 the genocide, right? It, it's. It, it's the one Holocaust, of the it's one of the genocides that yes, happened across the world. Yes, 100%. And if I can just mm. one sentence just mm. to clarify to 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 all of us, uh it is it was it was named, mm. uh, but it is a genocide, mm. 100% a genocide. And actually we know now uh historians will agree with me I think that it is very well documented. The Germans documented everything. So we we it is one genocide uh, that is very well documented and uh Prosecuted with many, many trials yeah. and, and is very well developed. So a lot of the other genocides. So for example, the genocide in Rwanda, you base on that case study, that case study of the yeah. Holocaust. Tally, let's bring it to today. A lot of young people who weren't there in apartheid, they weren't there, uh, during the Holocaust, um, look at these two events and you find that the same person is is defending the commemoration of the Holocaust, but is 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 saying that uh, South Africans should get over apartheid. What do you have to say to such people? I think education is so important. You have to educate that it is cannot be. You know, this cannot be. As I said from the beginning, we need all of us need to recognize and acknowledge that apartheid was a crime. It was a crime that is. Uh, you spoke about Pretoria before. Guys, I mean, Mm. Pretoria was burning yesterday. Mm. We are still living with the past. We cannot say the past must, you know, let's just not talk about the past. Um, Every country has a past, and we need to learn to live with that past. Our past is a difficult past, and we need to live with it. Do you think that, you know, just following on from Rory's discussion point here, which I think is very interesting. You, you're a South African Polish descent, so you know both histories quite well and obviously well-versed given your, your, uh, and, and her parents your position. were Holocaust survivors. Absolutely, my father, yes. Do you think that something here, the reason why, Rory, I think some people are like, no, we must commemorate the Holocaust, but we must get over parties because on the one side, they are the victims, and on the other side, they are part of the perpetrators. And I don't mean that they were actively involved, but because of their skin color, you know, most Jewish people in South Africa are white. Um, there's a small Ethiopian Jewish community here. But 
But because they're on the other side of the coin, it then puts them in a weird predicament. Even if they're not Jewish, so they can relate to the color of the skin because it doesn't, it's not just Jews who are saying, Get over apartheid. It's mm. people who are not Jewish but can relate to the Jewish story. Yeah. So, so few few thoughts that come into my mind. You know, when you um, when you talk about apartheid, it's always the color. You always have that white black that you mm, you spoke mm, about. Mm. What we find in our center through education, as I said, so important, is that when you speak about the Holocaust, white killed whites. Whites that were blue eyed and mm. blonde haired killed. Otherwise, that were blue-eyed and blonde hair because they had a different religion. When I speak about Rwanda, black people kill black people. Mm. Okay, Hutu, Tutsi, mm. I can speak about that. But you have really racism. It's all racism, guys. Mm. But it's racism that is crossing the color that we are so stuck in. Mm. And what I think that you said, another thought, is that you know, after the Holocaust, many of the victims left Germany. So mm. perpetrators did not live with victims. Here in South Africa and also in Rwanda, in a way, victims and perpetrators have to, to live side by side. And guys, this is hard. This is hard. We prefer to deny it. We prefer to, um, we prefer to, to look for excuses. Let's move on. It was 22 years ago. Stop talking about it. We cannot stop talking about it. We must not stop talking about it. This is part of us. We cannot deny our history. What do you think the difference between Rwanda and South Africa is in terms of how they've dealt with it subsequent to the genocide in Rwanda, the human atrocities in South Africa? Absolutely. As I said, it's April 1994. Just to, to give very briefly, in Rwanda, April 1994, 7th of April 1994, genocide started. Uh, for three months, for a hundred days, almost a million Tutsi and politically moderate uh, Hutu and Saptua were murdered. Face-to-face killing, uh, machetes, pangas, sticks, stones, j- grenades. Um, and at the same time, April 1994, I remember myself standing for hours voting at night, I think 9.30 at night. So we are all like euphoric uh Peace, prosperity, mm. we all living together, together, kumbaya, you know? Uh, but, but the reality is that, um, it is all about choices. Rwanda made choices, leadership choices, people's choices to kill, to go into genocide, to try and kill all the Tutsis. And South Africa decided to go another route, the route of democracy, the route of let's live together, and the TRC route that we spoke about before. Um, I think both countries dealt with it very, very differently. By the way, they did not have TRC. They had a gachacha that we can speak about it another time, mm. that it's sort of people-to-people court, very interesting. Mm. And uh, in a way, um, Rwanda is doing well, but is struggling, really struggling with the past. We are doing perhaps well, but really, really struggling with the past. So I think there are similarities. Tally, we, we have to say goodbye to you in a bit, but uh, I'm interested in the story of those that were on the side of the perp- perpetrators. So whether or not they were directly involved um, in the Holocaust, uh, how do those, how do, how did Germans begin to find a new identity outside of uh, the crimes that had been perpetrated on their behalf? And, and how do we then look at white South Africans who are battling to find their place in the new 
New South Africa. You said it was a crime, and the fact that we continue to live with its legacy means it's an ongoing crime in many ways. Absolutely. Uh, how do white South Africans reconcile themselves with uh, being part of this? Yeah. So the, the, the perpetrators, you know, Germany is, is a country um, – you know, it took them many, many years to deal with the past. You don't think that it's magic wand, you know, 20 years, we are happy. It took 50 years for Germany to come to terms with the past, 50 years. Actually, it's very interesting because uh, in 1968, there was a student revolt, student uprising in Germany. We are having sort of a student mm. uprising 22 mm. years later. So look how many similarities in the countries. And Germany... As I said, it started with silence, then trials, then starting to come to terms with the past, reconciliation, memorialization. We're not there yet. Mm. We're 22 years later. I think we need to be patient, but we must not give up. We must continue to talk. And I will invite people to come to our center because that is exactly what we do. We do dialogues. We do education. We remember the past, but we look at what can we learn from the past. So we just moved in. Um, Come see us, come to all our events at the Johannesburg Holocaust and Genocide Center. It's in Forest Town, opposite the Westcliff Hotel, one Duncombe Road, uh, Forest Town. And um, we're doing lots of stuff. So, for example, in August, we're having an exhibition about child soldiers in Africa mm. and talking about children and children's rights. And I really want our listeners to come and um, have those difficult dialogues, you know, about these issues. Talib, just before you go, I know you're, you're time pressed here. Do you think that the TRC was a good idea compared to the Nuremberg trials? It's really difficult, as, as the advocate said. Give your says. personal yes, opinion. Yes, it's really difficult, opinion. but it is personal. You know, I, I, I talk a lot about seeking justice, how societies seek justice in different ways. So you have the Nuremberg, you know, trials and other trials, many, many trials. Actually, one of the killers of my family was put on trial in 1965 in Germany. My uncle went to testify and he got seven and a half uh, years prison. You know, he killed hundreds and thousands of people. So, okay, what is justice? Um, gachacha in, in Rwanda, two million people <laughs> were in front of the gachacha, but a million people died. What is justice? Mm. TLC, was it the right way? I'm not sure. I think that it was necessary. I think it was not enough. I think it was too short. And I think it needed to be longer. And I would love to have a TLC today. Hmm. I'd still love to get you back in here and uh, and just discuss the question that I asked you about how do white South Africans reconcile themselves. Uh, we've got uh, 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 Neville Prinsler on Twitter saying, responding to the question, uh, frankly speaking, can apartheid and the Holocaust be compared? He's saying never. Holocaust was pol policy to systematically eliminate Jews from Europe. Yes, uh, so so there's genocide, obviously, yeah. it feels like there's still a lot of, of resistance to this thing of taking apartheid seriously uh, and I think it's worth another conversation but for today thank you very much Telenates for joining us lovely to be here we'll come again by we the way that. how do we get more information on the work that you're doing so you have my card uh, go to our website our Facebook uh, page www.holocaust.org.za absolutely and our Facebook just look for Johannesburg Holocaust and Genocide Center and come join us uh, come to our events dialogues and, uh, and workshops we'll love to have you. Fantastic. Thank you, Tally. Tally Nate's a 
from the Holocaust uh, and Genocide Museum in, in Johannesburg. We'll definitely speak to her a little bit more often. Fascinating stuff. Really interesting. We've got a WeChat discussion as well. Uh, do you want to just read that out? Sorry, I'm blind. You know, I can't see that. Zandisilem Seleni <laughs> saying, come on, gentlemen, who are we going to prosecute? No one was a supporter and part of apartheid. He's got a good point. He's being, he's being, he's being sarcastic. Though. No, but he's got a good point because if you think about it, there is only one person that went to jail who's now subsequently got parole for apartheid. For an entire, how many years is it? 48 to 94. Mm. Throughout that entire time, one person, one person went to jail and is now out on parole. Yeah. It's, for it's, an entire system. Hey, man. And, uh, you know, here's here's what grinds my peppers. Is again, that, is, again, like my peppers are being ground. Right? There's lots like, of pep- Does anyone only come get some peppers? Yeah, a lot of pepper. Yeah. <laughs> um, is is this is then this ongoing? So having the facts in front of us, uh, being told the things that we're being told, people still want to to argue. No, no, no. Uh, apartheid is, was insignificant, uh, you know, and, and what Tally said was, was quite important that it was a crime, but it also continues to be a crime because we haven't addressed, and I think the advocate said it earlier that what changed was simply the names on the, the names on the door in the union buildings, but fundamentally things did not change. Mm-hmm. Things had to change. And on the one hand, we can blame the ANC government, um, but on the other hand, if they are to 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 do the things that uh, we would assume in, for p- purposes of this conversation to be right, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of white South Africans would be up in arms. Mm, I, I mean, yeah, it's it's a very interesting debate and discussion. I mean, Neville's comment saying that uh, never, you know, exclamation mark, Holocaust was pos- to systematically eliminate the Jews. Like he's he's thinking that we are saying that no the holocaust was a bad thing or i mean wasn't a bad thing or wasn't as bad we're not saying that at all we're simply saying that we need to acknowledge apartheid as bad yeah or and and even as as much human hurt yeah as it was the a holocaust, crime it the was genocide. it was it was a crime it was a crime against humanity and i've argued before that the reason why people refuse to acknowledge that about apartheid is because they do not see black people as human they see the Jews and so on that died in the Holocaust as human, and so they'll acknowledge that, but they refuse to acknowledge the humanity of the black people that suffered. So, yes, it might not have been designed to systematically kill black people, but it was designed to systematically oppress black people and ultimately to kill their spirits and their souls. What you see in in Pretoria and, and, and so on, a rational person, a person who's just normal and so on, doesn't go into the streets and begin burning things unless there are deep wounds that have been placed there by mm. a system by a system that was designed to crush everything in you and to crush even your appreciation of the infrastructure around you. And that is exactly what is happening. Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting is if we go to the former Bantustan's homeland areas still today in South Africa and you, and you, you see what's out there. 
Um, so I, I went to uh, a place called Msinga, which was deep, deep, deep in, in what would be called the Natal homelands area. Um, in the middle of nowhere uh, in KwaZulu-Natal right now. And what's fascinating about it is the border is so obvious to see. Mm. It's fascinating. So there's a, there's a place called Greytown. A lot of people will know Greytown. It's a beautiful little area. It's got lots of forest. It's a forestry town, beautiful, beautiful um, tourism destination. Msinga is in the valley below that. It is literally 10 Ks away. Mm. Same valley, same ground, same uh, soil, and yet completely and utterly barren. Mm. In fact, Msinga should be better off because it's right next to the Tugela River. Tugela runs right through Msinga, and yet there is nothing there. So anyone who argues, no, 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 the, the party is different, let me tell you something. The apartheid government put those Bantustans together and then threw people away. They didn't care whether they lived or not. It wasn't their problem. Mm. What I think the apartheid government did learn from history was they were clever. And I think we don't recognize this enough. And I know that sounds really weird. We don't recognize that the apartheid architects were incredibly bright yeah. in the way they orchestrated and uh, created the apartheid system. And made sure just to stay on the edges just of enough. definition just so, enough. so they can't be accused of this or that. You see so the, yeah. the architects of apartheid and they're super clever in terms of only a few people spoke. On behalf of the apartheid government, they spoke beautifully. They were well-versed in what they were doing. They had all the questions. They had all the answers. And it was brilliant. But I think then the question is to us, this generation, right? So we came in here. The so what of this conversation was, uh, can these be compared? But I think there's a big question for us now. It's not now what? So we've had conversations for people that were there, people whose families were survivors of the Holocaust, uh, advocate Zabeza who was involved in the TRC process. Uh, they were there. We weren't, mm. right? So... What do we have to say then when we hear the things that we say? Do we still maintain this argument that, hey, get over it. It, it, it wasn't such a big deal or mm. cheesh, man. 20 years later, you guys should be, should be moving forward. Uh, what do we do? And, and what do we say about the fact that the ANC government itself has failed by the words of, ANC, of, 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 of the advocate? To, to, to take the recommendations of the TRC forward, which recommendations, by the way, were for justice. Now, if they had done that, what are white people going to say in South Africa? You know what? Here's the issue, and, and you've, you've nailed it on the head there, Roy, with your last comment. It's very easy to blame the ANC government. But the ANC government, and we must remember this, was heavily influenced by its backers, its financial backers. And its financial backers were white monopoly capital. Mm. So... You can't have the anti-government go, you know what? Actually, what we're going to do is we're going to actually prosecute banks, financial institutions, big corporates, multinationals, um, because they all support the ANC. So they were in a bit of a, a bit of a jam. You know, the economy would have literally gone completely bust. I'm not saying that's a, a justification for doing it. But one must, you know, when pointing fingers at the ANC, be very careful that we understand all the levers that were going on at that time. Um, because I can see a lot of people going, yo, you see, it's the, the ANC government that, that yeah, disrespected its but, own people but, and killed its own people. So, no, but now, no, but now no, you no. see, that's the point. It's more nuanced. Is, that's the point. So should the ANC government then uh, implement the recommendations? Should At we this go point ahead? Now? Yeah. Should we go ahead? At, 
This man at 95 years old was sent to prison for five years. Mm. All right, for 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 those crimes. Should we be insisting that the the government of today pursue justice and make sure that we we get justice in all respects? Right. That includes the fact that some of our homes are on land that was that used to be owned by certain people who were moved away mm. from those areas so that so that our beautiful palatial uh, mansions could be built. So a part of justice would be to give those people back what, what belongs to them. Yeah, I mean, this is difficult. This is difficult because, you know, as a, what do they call me? What's it? A social justice warrior or whatever. Yeah. I would be like, yes, yes, yeah, do that, do that. But the truth uh, is, like I don't feel that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yes, uh, we're coming for so, your house first. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. No, you're not coming for my house. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think, I think one must ask Rory. So I don't have an answer to that. I'm not the expert. Um, one must ask though, is there a different way? You know, like, for example. Why should there be a different way? To make it comfortable? Maybe, perhaps. Why? Yeah, yeah. Why I must don't know. we make it comfortable well, for? Maybe we don't need to make it comfortable, but this is again mm. my opinion, right? Mm, mm. Uh, I wouldn't be in favor of slaying anyone, and I think that the idea, you know, um, Talia made a really interesting point, which is to say, after World War II and the Holocaust, Jews left Germany. They were like, ha, we are, we, mm. we don't, do, we do not trust you mm. at all. Mm. And we see a little bit of that in a, in a, in the modern, um, in modern day politics and policy around the DA, right? They are so liberal and there's Musi Maiman, he's black, but we do not trust the DA or black people do not trust the DA because they still think that they serve white interests, right? Mm. Mm. Um, but what I'm wondering is, should we prosecute someone like F.W. de Klerk? Absolutely. Mm. Right? That, that's, that's, that's a no-brainer in my mind. Mm. Right? I don't care what he did. I don't care that he got a Nobel Peace Prize. He was part of a regime. He was the head of it. He knew what was going on. Mm. Right? Do we need to have something like a TRC for the average person in South Africa? You've been advocating for that. I really have because mm. I think that one of the biggest issues in South Africa, and it's to your point, Rory, on both sides, black and white of this coin, is that we have not acknowledged what apartheid is, what it was, what it means today. And that's the problem for both people on both sides of the coin. What does it mean today um, to be you know, to be part of a system that is post-apartheid. Mm. We saw with those kids that we interviewed last uh, week on, on Youth Day, white kids and how they feel about it. They were nowhere. Mm. They were absolutely nowhere. Go check out that podcast. It's fascinating to listen to. Mm. They do not feel like they have any kind of say in this country, which means that they just withdraw, yeah. right? Black people getting angry because they don't feel justice has, has occurred, and rightfully so. Mm. And we've got the situation of no one is talking to each other. No one yeah. is going, right, if you really believe in a South Africa for tomorrow – then surely you got to get in. you got to, you know, but pick that, the sleeves you see, up and rock this, on. This raises our definitions and, and our senses about justice because, you know, when it's Oscar on the stand, we demand justice. Mm. Uh, when 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 it's a it's a thief who has broken into our houses, we demand justice. When it's a system. When it's a system mm. that has favored true. me. No, no, no. Wait about justice. Let, totally let's, 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 let's understand what was happening. Oh, wait. He wasn't there. You know, then we come up with all sorts of, of yeah, excuses. I, listen, I agree uh, with you. I agree we, with we, you. We only back justice when, when it is not pointing the finger at us to say, okay, let's, let's correct what is wrong. I, th I think where, where it becomes tricky and, and problematic is for me specifically, right? Mm. As, as a white person in the system, when you say we demand justice, and I agree with that, there should be justice. The atrocities of apartheid were horrific, and they will not be easily fixed or, you know, changed. Um, but one 
you know, for example, with Oscar, it's about saying we demand justice. We know what justice means. He killed someone. He now needs to go to jail and serve his time for that. Mm. When you talk about a system of justice, what does that mean for the person within that system? Mm. If you demand justice upon me because I was part of a system or my family was a part of a system, a beneficiary of it, Mm. what does that mean? And I don't think we've defined that because we haven't acknowledged. Do you think that if we were to define it, people would be like, okay, cool. Cool. Oh, so we've already defined one aspect of it. We said bring back the land. And, and, and there's resistance to that. Sure, sure. I think, I think it won't do that. Absolutely not. But at least then we'll have a clear understanding and hopefully a communal understanding of what that then means. And then people Mm. can decide. I'm in or I'm not. I think what worries me is the fact that, um, you know, what we refuse to acknowledge in words, we're going to pay with blood. Mm. We're really going to pay for with, with the blood of humans, uh, because humans can only take this much and then, and then, and then, and then, and then it's bloodshed, totally right? Agree. And and I think what I I need to I need to get rid of this I think thing like irritating. But <laughs> what we need to do is make sure that we 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 deal with things and we deal with them seriously because you refusing to acknowledge uh, what's happened, you refusing to acknowledge the ongoing injustices, you refusing to acknowledge uh, your involvement and your continued. Um, you continue to benefit from it does not take it away and does not make the people who feel hard done by uh, any, any better, better just totally. because you say you, we should ignore it yeah, right so totally. and what what's ultimately going to happen is that sooner or later if you continue to want to ignore it they're going to make you you will listen mm, um, and mm, right mm, now mm. we have the opportunity as this generation to start these conversations and to just be open with one another and to be vulnerable with one another and say her this makes me feel uncomfortable, but hey, here it goes, right? And and on all sides. And then to begin to try and chart a way forward because it, it it's not an easy thing that needs to happen, but it is something that needs to be done. I totally agree. And, and Rory, those questions that you asked me were fantastic. They really do. They put you on the – they put me on the spot mm. as a human being. What questions? It's like, you know, like justice in South Africa, in our time, what does that mean, you know? Mm. And – the truth is I don't have the answers, you know, because as a human, I'm like, I want equality for all humans. And right now there's no equality. Mm. And probably in our lifetime, we won't see equality, be it gender, be it race, be it sexuality. Mm. But I want that. But then having said that, I then have to, I'm part of that. And what are you willing to give up for that? And what am I willing to acknowledge and change? Mm. And these questions are difficult, man. These, these questions hit me hard. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're very, very difficult. I think you and I need to lead the, the TRC charge. I think it's going to happen, Rory. It has to happen. It has to happen. Yeah. Listen, that's one hour, frankly speaking. Wow. I, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like we haven't got to, to a very good conclusion on this matter because it's so big, but I do think it is incredibly interesting listening. Thank you so much to our guests today. We had advocate Dumisa Ntsebetsa and Tali Nates, um, from the Holocaust uh, Museum in Johannesburg. Go check it out. It's really super cool. Um, and thank you to our super duper production team, Pavalelo Silvano yeah. and uh, Bulan Zaluba. Uh, and Duncan, of course. Through. And of course, DW, always DW on the ones and twos. Listen, if you, me- if you missed any of the show, go on to uh, cliffcentral.com forward slash frankly speaking. Check out some of those podcasts and let us know your thoughts. We want to engage. We want to hear more from all of our listeners. Change the world, everybody. Chovi, chovi. <laughs> this is cliffcentral.com. <laughs>